When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. DIY and How Studios presents Deeper Digs in Rock, part of the Rock and Roll Archaeology Project. Music, culture, technology, and rock and roll. Now, on with the show. It was a dark day in Dallas, November 63. A day that will live on in infamy. President Kennedy was a riding high. Good day to be living and a good day to die, diggers. The rock and roll archaeologist Christian Swain here. And yep, those are the opening words from the just released Bob Dylan epic, Murder Most Foul. And yep. That will be the topic for today's Deeper Digs in Rock episode. We're going to do something a little different. Uh, Let me uh, get just a quick bit of business in and we'll get going. Uh, First off, I hope everyone out there is safe and still sane after a couple of weeks of social isolation, social distancing. Uh, The bad news is uh, we're only two weeks in and the good news is, is, hey, we're now two weeks in. Uh, I know some of you are behind us out here in California. Uh, Actually, we've uh, officially been two weeks, and I think uh, even some of us started uh, at least a week before that um, uh, to to make preparations, uh, thinking that we might get to something like this. So, all right, first off, I know there have been some questions regarding all of this and how significant uh, is this pandemic. And I don't know, maybe we're overdoing it a little. Not not sure I can go there. Uh, I, I look at countries like Italy and Spain, and the, the thing about a viral pandemic is, while the present may seem like we are overreacting, it's the future we need to prepare for. Uh, following trend lines uh, more than suggests a terrible time ahead for uh, the world and and for this country for for the United States. So I don't think we are overreacting. In fact, I kind of think we some places haven't quite understood how much we are getting walloped. Um, it's not so much about me, uh, and it may not be so much about you. If I were to contract the coronavirus and develop COVID nineteen. You know, I, I, I'm thinking I'd probably do okay and survive. I don't have any underlying health conditions. Uh, I'm in a uh, uh, an age bracket that has a very low mortality rate. Um, uh, but you know, even if I got got it bad, you know, I I'd probably you know still make it. Um, uh, fingers crossed. Uh, my concern is giving it to someone who is not as healthy as I am. Um, even worse is being, uh, I don't know, a, a completely asymptomatic carrier, which some suggests is up to 30% of those infected. And then 
giving it to a ton of people without knowing. That is what has me most concerned. Um, this is why social isolation as much as possible and social distancing when venturing outside, uh, along with proper hygiene when coming back in, are so important. Just something to think about. Uh, I care about all of you, and I'm sure you care all about you as well. A reminder, while I am um, a rock and roll archaeologist, uh, I am not a doctor, nor do I play one uh, even on a podcast. Uh, please go to cdc.gov uh, or uh, who.int for the best medical information. So as I was surfing the web of news last night, I uh, came across an article uh, with the title, Sex Toy Sales Are Skyrocketing Because of Social Distancing. Really? Yeah. I, I, actually, I'm not surprised. Uh, what else are we going to do once you've finished uh, Tiger King? Of course, I'm not surprised. Um, yes, the sale of sex toys and lingerie is booming. And I'd like to think all the folks here at Pantheon Podcast have something to do with it. I mean, is it just coincidence that just as we launch our partner, our sponsorship with adamandeve.com, a pandemic keeps everyone indoors with nothing to do? I think not. It sounds uh, like all the rock and rollers are uh, remembering to go to adamandeve.com. And just remember to use your huge discount code, D-I-G-S, digs at checkout. Yes, adamandeve.com with the digs discount code gets you 50% off. And that's not all. Uh, select almost any single item for 50% off. And then Adam and Eve loads you up on free stuff. Enter the code D-I-G-S digs at checkout and get 10 enticing and tempting free gifts. Three items you'll enjoy and can share. Well, with an intimate partner, that is. As long as you have consent, I don't care who you share it with. And you also get six free movies that you can't share with the kids. Just putting that out there. Uh, but you should share with your partner, partners, uh, you know, after the kids go to bed. Plus, don't forget free shipping. That's digs, D-I-G-S, at adamandeve.com. What else are you going to do? Okay, <laughs> enough about the loins. Let's get to the head and heart. It was a dark day in Dallas, November 63 A day that would live on in infamy President Kennedy was a right line Good day to be living and a good day to die He led to the slaughter like a sacrificial lamb He said, wait a minute boys, you know who I am so at midnight on March 27th uh, this year, 2020, Mr. Dillon, uh, some say the jester, launched his own version of an American pie 
to the surprise of everyone. Of course, uh, Mr. Nobel Laureate uh, takes the opposite tack than the Don McLean classic. Uh, less melody, hooks, and beat, uh, but far more lyrical depth. And to be honest, that alone is saying a lot. <laughs> Are we not surprised? Look, I, I am in no means a uh, Dylanologist. Uh, you know, I've learned to love Bob over the years. Uh, it didn't come from the start. Uh, I, I don't want to get into the whys uh, because it's complicated, though the next hour will probably clue you in on some of the whys. Uh, we get into that with our guests. But uh, I will say, um, starting Rock and Roll Archaeology, Oh, oh, yes, and episode 19 is coming. I promise we're working very hard and diligently at it. Um, having to dive into uh, Dylan um, seriously got me all in. Uh, it's a regret uh, that um, I didn't um, fall for, uh, um, you know, the bard um, earlier, but uh, better late than never, huh? And now this, Murder Most Foul. On first listen, uh, I, I was dumbfounded. Uh, within the first few minutes, tears were streaming down my face. By the end, I realized the song kept my full attention, and I was ready to hear the entire 17 minutes again. Uh, that, too, says a lot. Um, I checked the news on the song, and sure enough, everybody was talking about it. Yes, this was big news. And at a time when every musician is out doing what they can on social media uh, to keep us busy, to give us content. Um, I, I personally particularly like the uh, Neil Young and his fireside sessions. <laughs> and I'm sure you have a, a few of your own uh, fun and uh, interesting and incredibly uh, insightful and emotional uh, emotional impacting uh, artists out there that are doing the same thing. Well, like I said, I'm not a Dylanologist, but you know what? We do have a few hosts that I knew were far more into the bard of the baby boomers than I. Um, though I, I, I can tell you right now, they are probably shaking the fist at the uh, at the uh, the the speaker, uh, saying, "But Christian, I'm not a Dylanologist. Oh, you know." You're more of an expert, uh, and, uh, you know, experts may be as elusive as Bob himself has been his entire career. So, please, give my, my experts uh, that we're going to talk to here a little slack. What I do know from listening to some of our shows is that Ray Coob and Marcus in the Darkness uh, from Imbalance History of Rock uh, would have a, a take on the song. Uh, I knew Miss Pamela DeBar, who did know Bob a bit in the 1980s, has seen every Dylan show since 1965, and is a huge fan of everything he does. Uh, down Under, uh, Morris Bushtinsky uh, from Love That Album could add colorful perspective and a philosopher's gaze to boot. I knew Cindy Howes of Basic Folk is a huge Dylan fan as well uh, and could add succinct thoughts to my own and with greater authority than I could certainly muster. And of course, the guys uh, from our very own Bob Dylan show, Is It Rolling Bob?, Talking Dylan would be a big help in dissecting and debating uh, many of the lines that are found in uh, in the song. 
Um, though only Lucas Hare uh, could join us for the conversation. We missed his co-host, Kerry Shale's take. Unfortunately, he was unavailable this weekend. So, hell, why don't I just get their perspectives? Well, that's exactly what I've done. Uh, one for each of the five verses. Now, this is all stream of consciousness from our friends here. There may be some of that going on in the song, actually. First impressions, okay, for a 17-minute song packed with references from just about the entirety of the 20th century. So let's get to it. Diggers, I give you a little from Ray Coop, Marcus in the Darkness, Miss Pamela Debar, Morris Bushtinsky, Cindy Howes, and Lucas Hare discussing murder most foul. The day they blew out the brains of the king Thousands were watching, no one saw a thing It happened so quickly, so quick by surprise Right there in front of everyone's eyes Greatest magic trick ever under the sun Perfectly executed, skillfully done Wolfman, oh Wolfman, oh Wolfman, how Rub-a-dub-dub, it's a murder most foul Okay, with me now is Ray Coob and Marcus in the Darkest from our show, Imbalanced History of Rock. How are you guys doing today? Pretty good, man. Good doing to well, have, doing well. Good to have uh, have you on to talk about this uh, brand new Bob Dylan song that uh, showed up uh, 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 last night and uh, is getting a lot of attention. Uh, a 17 minute uh, epic uh, that um, I guess uh, has a lot to do with the uh, the Kennedy assassination called "Murder Most Foul." So let me get your first impressions. I think you both have had a chance to listen to the song. So, uh, uh, Ray, what 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 were your first thoughts? Well, first off, like a lot of people, I guess who are listening, I was you know surprised by the arrival of it, and then when I saw what it was, uh, this epic seventeen minute song. Um, I just dove right in after we uh, talked about things earlier, and I just realized what it was. And obviously in the first verse, you get an idea what the song's really all about. And then he goes on to illustrate it in a way that just kind of blew me away, man. I haven't listened to a long Dylan song like this, uh, you know, on first listen all the way through and be there with my jaw agape by the middle uh, in a long time. Oh, good to hear. Marcus, what do you think? I was surprised by the fact that he had a 17-minute song all ready to go, but after listening to it, I was impressed with the vocals. The music arrangements are wonderful, and I found it to be very interesting. It seemed like he was naming everybody ever involved with the assassination, with the investigation, with the story. And then at times, it seemed like they were going into the conspiracies and he was mentioning some of the weird conspiracies or alluding to them or maybe using his Bob Dylan, uh, masterful poetry skills to be able to, uh, paint this picture, make you think about, Hey, what about this, uh, assassination? What do we know? Yeah. And it, it was, 
It was fascinating, and I really enjoyed listening to it all the way through. Definitely, I know you guys mentioned the long song. Ray mentioned the long song. Hurricane was the last really long song like that that I can remember from Bob Dylan off the top of my head that has that kind of power. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, oh, definitely. Uh, yeah, that was a, 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 a fairly big hit for Bob, uh, Hurricane. Uh, and yeah, that's been, that's been a while. Um, I get the feeling that this um, song was recorded in in 2012 uh, at the time that he was uh, uh, putting together his last album of originals uh, from the album Tempest. And the reason why, and I might be wrong, but but there there is a line in here that mentions that the the uh, the assassination took place 50 years ago, and that would seem more in time of of that as opposed to uh, you know he'd just been working on it and 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 released it um so it sounds like this may have been an outtake uh from from that 2012 album um but uh it also seems for me like the 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 first couple of verses are pretty much um you know what's going on at that moment uh uh in 63 uh december 22nd and then it kind of begins to shift a little bit, and he gets into the latter part of the 60s. I mean, he mentions, as you said, name-checking people like Tommy uh, from The Who, mm-hmm. uh, 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 the um, uh, you know, Patsy Cline is mentioned. I'm, I'm just going through the lyrics here uh, myself. Uh, and that, that things have shifted. The age of the Antichrist, he, he mentions. And then it's like, there's like movie references and Shakespeare references, yeah, and, yeah, and television and and like like all of these cultural things, like almost you know, the, in a weird sort of way, maybe he put it out because you know we're all supposed to be self isolating and uh, we need to sit around and you know play me a song, Mister Wolfman Jack, play it for me <laughs> and my long Cadillac, you know, uh, play at a James, play it, uh, play John Lee Hooker, uh, a guitar slim going down on and a play it for. Marilyn Monroe, you know, on and on and on. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, one of the things, one of the things that hit me right away was the mastery with which he wove all these references into his story. As he went down, like by verse three, you start to see him talking about the conspiracy things. Yeah. And, but he, but he's working it in with things. I mean, like he's, you know, from wake up little Susie, uh, uh, from the Everleys to yeah. the Acid Queen from Tommy, all within lines of each other. And the way that he did it is masterful, uh, not to be unexpected coming from Bob. Yeah, he also mentions, like, he goes back in time, uh, I think, and, and again, we're all just kind of digesting this, uh, you know, here immediately. Yep. He does go back to uh, at least the silent film era because he talks about uh, Harold Lloyd and, and Buster Keaton. I, I'm sure he was big fans of those guys as a kid uh, growing up uh, in the, the 40s and 50s and, and seeing those old films play uh, in the in the theaters back then. Um, and so it's, 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 I, I don't know, you know, in one way and, and of course, you know, with all things, Dylan, it's, it's, it's opaque and, you know, we're, we're all just guessing, uh, here, but, uh, in, in mm-hmm. some ways it seems like, um, like he is referencing a lot of American culture of the past, but at the same time saying maybe, maybe we should all pay attention to it to today. What do you guys think? I think that's a pretty good uh, look at this song. It's uh, really fun to dig into it and look at it even closer. I can't wait to dig into it more. 
and listen to it a couple of more times. I, I think it's I think it's kind of one of those fun music adventures you can actually go on during this time and a good song given to us by Bob Dylan. Yeah, yeah, you know there there uh, you know there's a lot of artists that are putting out uh uh material uh, you know anything from uh uh, you know, um, uh, Pearl Jam released their new album, uh, Gigaton, today. And then there's, you know, every singer-songwriter getting on Facebook Live and just, uh, you know, putting some things out. Uh, you know, Neil Young just did uh, a couple of uh, pieces uh, from his home in Telluride. Uh, and, uh, and and a lot of artists are are trying to provide some content for all of us stuck in our, uh, in our self-isolation, huh? I, uh, on my syndicated show, I suggested that the Who should set up somewhere like at a rehearsal hall or somebody's house and uh, do it, do the, the internet concert because that would probably generate like crazy numbers, you know? And I was thinking about that as a byproduct of all this stuff that's going on with performance art on the internet. And uh, while we were talking too, I, I was thinking about some, uh, some of the cultural references and the musical references. And I thought you uh, might want to you might want to be talking to us about some of those because we talk about a lot of this stuff. Like uh, another one bites the dust oh, in the Beach point. Boys, yeah, for the, yeah, yeah. yeah, and the met reference to Carl Wilson and and the Eagles and taking it to the limit and uh, Blue Sky and Dickie Betts. How often does he get name checked in a song? Yeah, especially a Dylan song. Yeah, what do you think, Marcus? Yeah, I... <laughs> what do you think, Marcus? Ah, uh, you know, I'm kind of, I don't know, you guys have pretty much summed it up very well. I really, like I said, want to dig into this song a little bit more. I love it. Like you, we've all talked about the pop culture references, the conspiracy theories, how it's all relevant, even though it's 50, 60, 70, maybe even 80 years old, it's all still relevant today. And it seems in a way that he's tying this segment of U.S. history together. You know what? That's a good thought. And I'm, mm, listen, I'm, yeah. looking, at, I'm looking at the lyrics on the, on the fifth verse, and he kind of goes into at times they are a changing kind of riff where he's like repeating the first word and hitting the first beat real hard. And I think there's a, that is that connection, Marcus. Good call, brother. Ah, thank you. Yeah. Play the Bloodstained Banner play murder most foul yep good stuff guys what do you think now let me ask you this christian do you like this song because we've talked about it but do you enjoy this song would you listen to it again oh uh, uh without doubt uh um uh, i had the pleasure of seeing bob here uh, uh about six months ago at the frost amphitheater in uh, uh at stanford university uh <clears throat> which is just reopened and uh, i'd seen bob this was i think it was the fourth or I think it was the fourth time I'd seen Bob. And um, most of the time I, I kind of walked away going, okay, that was cool or interesting. But, you know, I'm, <clears throat> I, 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 I wasn't a huge Dylan fan. I, I, I respected him without doubt. And I, I know how important he is to the overall story of rock and roll. Um, but, you know, he, he, he is a bit of an acquired taste. But this last time I walked away going, oh, totally get it. You know, uh, he I, 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 now I understand the master. And um, uh, and I kind of feel like this song fits in that 
that vein. So I, I literally, yeah. you know, had tears streaming down my face as I listened to it because it did. It just, it, it you know, musically, it's evocative and almost like a movie score. You know, it, it, it's 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 almost background. And really, Bob's lyrics and Bob's voice are really out front, and uh, and it's and just, sound him really, really good. He sound yeah, doesn't he sound good? Well, and that was the thing that I took away from you know, as you know, I, I'm a singer myself, and maybe that's part of the my my reasoning for not quite getting Dylan. And whereas this last uh, time I saw him, he was in fine voice, and I was like, wow, okay, mm-hmm. now I totally get it. And uh, and I think I feel that with this song as well. And let's face it, it's a 17 minute epic so it's in it's cinematic and uh you know it, it took me into a lot of nostalgic places as i went through the song cool it's working it is it is well guys <laughs> i just wanted to get a quick take from you uh our, our imbalanced history brothers uh part of the pantheon podcast <laughs> network that's us and that is uh, us and you'll be a part of the the deeper digs in rock uh, coming up. We're going to have a couple of other hosts uh, uh, give their take as well. So I appreciate uh, you guys coming on uh, uh, and and giving us your first take on the song. Anytime, anytime. Thanks a lot for reaching out. Appreciate it, Christian. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hush, little children, you'll understand. The Beatles are coming, they're gonna hold your hand. Slide down the banister, go get your coat. Ferry across the messy and go for the throat. There's three bumps coming all dressed in rags. Pick up the pieces and over the flags. I'm going to Woodstock, it's the Aquarian Age Then I'll go over to Altamont and sit near the stage Put your head out the window, let the good times roll 
There's a party going on behind the glassy door. Stack up the bricks. All right, joining me now is uh, Miss Pamela DeBar from Miss Pamela's Pajama Party. How are you doing, Miss P? I'm okay. Stuck in the house, you know. Surviving, you're surviving, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Yep, I am. I'm I'm hanging in there, and I'm going to be fine, just like you and everybody else. Of course, of course. It's just a, a, a momentary... A lapse that we're all going to have to uh, suffer through, um, and and it's not all suffering. Uh, you know, I mean, look, uh, we get to spend more time with our family. Uh, I don't know about you, but I've been spending so much time either on the phone or in Zoom or on Skype, or you know, I, I, I'm talking to my mom more than I probably have in ages. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Well, I'm 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 doing my writing workshops on Zoom, and it's been pretty fun. You yeah. know, it's. It's different, it but is. at least we're getting it done. Yeah, imagine imagine if this had occurred like 30 years ago before the internet. Yeah, that would have been rough. <laughs> that would have been rough. <laughs> now we're talking rough. Right, 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 right. Oh, a lot of books being read, probably. Oh, yeah, a lot of books being read. Uh, I just uh, read an article this morning that um, uh, that uh, adult entertainment is going through the roof, uh, which kind of works for you <laughs> and I, since uh, we you know, have just started a sponsorship with uh, with Adam and Eve, of, of which we'll talk about after we talk about uh, you know this great new uh, Bob Dylan song. So let's get into that. Um, you, uh, I'm sure, have listened to Murder Most Foul. Uh, have you? Oh not? yes. Yeah. More than once. More, More than, than once. once. And, and every time, well, every time there's something new. Of course, like with all Dylan songs, you know, you hear it again, and then it's some whole new song. I mean, this is like 10 songs in one, 17 yeah, minutes. Yeah, yeah 17 minutes. The yeah. longest song he has ever released. Always going back to the central theme, of course, is Kennedy's murder. And so beautifully, you know, inserted into these with incredible pop references and just endless genius. You know, I am I'm a Dylan fanatic. I I can't call myself a Dylanologist like the real cerebral people. I am emotionally attached to Dylan. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And I think I, you've seen him, you've seen him just about every tour, is that is that right? For for how long? Uh well, I first saw him when I was in high school, 1965 at Santa Monica Civic. Mm, mm. And I I had been turned on to him by my dear friend Victor Hayden, the late late Victor Hayden who was Beefheart's cousin. Yeah. And he turned me on to Bob really early in high school, so I had to see him. And I was sitting sort of in the middle, and I had this honing device in my soul that I just got up out of my seat, walked straight down the aisle, and stood in front in front of him, the only person who did it. And they didn't make me go to my seat. No one was doing those things then, you know? So I saw the whole show right below him. Right in front, <laughs> of, right in front of Bob. It, 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 did, did Bob yeah. acknowledge you there? Oh, no, Bob doesn't acknowledge anybody. <laughs> he doesn't, does he? No. 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 <laughs> but it was amazing. I was in, a, I had a photography class, and I took a lot of pictures of him that yeah. night, uh-huh. which I still have. Yeah. Oh, wow. To see and, how close I was. And you, so, yes, and I've, I saw him ever since. I've you, seen him every tour he's done. Every tour since 1965. 
Yeah, because I'm a, I am a fanatic. When yeah. I'm a fanatic for someone, that's it. Yes, yes. Well, no, we know that. Life. We know yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> he he reflected what was going on in my heart and soul and mind and put it into words that I wasn't able to do yet. And that's what he did for so many people in my generation. And he continues to. And this song proves that. It's getting outstanding love and respect and amazing reviews from everybody. So uh, there's nothing wrong with the song. It's eternal. It's going to go on forever. Yeah, I, uh, I, you know, while you know, I'm, I'm not a, a Dylanologist. Uh, I've learned to love Bob over my life. Uh, it uh, came slowly over the decades, um, but uh, you know, because of rock and roll archaeology and having to, you know, really dive into who Dylan was and why he was so important to the rock and roll landscape. Um, you know, you, 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 if it's not the songs and it's not uh, other things that get you, if you just do a little dive in, uh, that will get you alone because it is just so wide and deep uh, with him, more so than just about anybody in uh, anyone in else. Music. Yeah, more yeah. than anyone else. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so <laughs> and you know, he continues. He's going to be seventy nine in May. I know, I know, I know. And now he's come out with. I think you might agree with me because after, you know, now we've had it for three days. Um, I've read a lot about it. I've read the lyrics over and over. I've spoken yeah, to too. several of our Ugh. of our hosts about uh, this. And I, I, I think I'm ready to call it a masterpiece. How about yourself? Oh, God, yes. I knew it was before I even heard it. <laughs> because almost everything he writes is a masterpiece. But, you know, he's gone over the top here. Yeah. And yeah. Some, of these, some of these words, like, Hush, little children, you'll understand. The Beatles are coming. They're going to hold your hand. Slide down the banister. Go get your coat. Ferry cross the Mersey and go for the throat. Wow. You know? I know. He goes. He goes from you know seemingly lighthearted to absolute devastation all through the entire song. Yeah, back and forth. It's a. Uh, it's um, almost yeah. like he is encapsulating the the last um, sixty years, almost sixty yeah. years, uh, yeah. since since that tragic event in Dealey Plaza on November twenty second, nineteen sixty three. A whole lot of lyrics. He's woven through a, a lot of interesting band members' names. You know, you wonder why he chooses Glenn Fry. Yeah, yeah, Stevie what do, Nicks, yeah, know. yeah, yeah. What do you do when you're really Stevie Nicks and you wake up one day and you're now the subject of a Bob Dylan song? You know, I know what a, a call thrill! Out. <laughs> yeah, oh my yeah. God! Yeah, Remember yeah. when he sang out to? He did that for Alicia Keys, and I thought, what does she feel like about that? That's incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how about is. this line? Put your head out the window, let the good times roll, right? Yeah. Sounds great. The next line is, there's a party going on behind the grassy knoll. Come on. <laughs> bringing us back, bringing us back to uh, to that fateful yeah. day. Right, right. Oh, so do, do and, you re- and the whole song does that. Yeah, yeah. Do Now, uh, do you, you remember the day Kennedy was killed, right? Oh, of course. I was in school, yeah. like most of us were. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah, but you know, you you go into a state of shock. I remember the moment, and then that's it. Yeah. The next thing I remember really is watching TV the, the next morning, 
when my my parents were still asleep and seeing Oswald get shot live oh, by on Jack TV. Ru- Jack Ruby, right, right. Yeah, I mean, it was, and, and they had to get him out of the way. Of course, I don't want to go into my ideas about what really happened because no one really knows, and that's sort of what Bob's song comes out with. No one really knows, but it's not what we were told. Ah, you well, know? there's the line, I'm just a patsy like Patsy Cline. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. yeah, which has yeah. you know been pushed uh, to the Oswald. Uh, you know that's what Oswald said uh, when he was given you know a, oh, yeah, a, a, a free moment oh, yeah. uh, on a microphone, right? And yeah, uh, and yeah. then boom, the next day he was gone, mm, unable to yeah. speak. Yeah, dead men tell no tales, yeah. huh? So and then of course Ruby died in quotes of cancer in jail. You know, I, I never believed it. And when I was a kid, I did, of course, because, you know, yeah, I was a told. kid and that's yeah. what they told yeah. you. Mm-hmm. But through the years, I realized, I mean, no, there's a lot more to it. And, and Dylan points all that out without casting obvious aspersions to anyone right. in this song. It's just genius, isn't it? It is. It, it, it just, oh. uh, you know, uh, oh. some other things that, that, that I, I have uh, found uh, from, from reading about it. Uh, NPR counted up the number of song references in the song, and there are seventy-five uh-huh. different songs uh-huh. that are referenced in 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 the, uh-huh. just the songs, and not the people. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, what? Seventy-five different songs, and you know, and it's almost uh, you know in these times of trouble uh, here, where we're having to go through a traumatic event, um, not uh, dissimilar to the Kennedy assassination. Um, uh, yeah. In that it's affecting uh, the entire nation uh, one way or another. Um, you know, he's given us like it's almost like a playlist uh, to go and and remind yourself or educate yourself or nostalgic. And maybe this is Bob's playlist. I, I've, I've uh, posited that a couple of times. Be. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know, play Blue Sky by Dickie Betts, play Art Pepper, Thelonious Monk, Charlie Parker, and all know, that junk. It's so you know, cool. It, it's just, yeah. you know, it's like, Junk-ing oh, yeah. or, or the, the play something for the Birdman of Alcatraz. Oh, man, I haven't seen that movie yes. in a long time. Uh, I think yes, I'll go back and watch film. that. Right. A right. lot of film, film references as well, and a lot of just pop references, just. It just goes on and on and on. You, you think you can, you can hardly believe it. But the scary the scary line to me, of course, he says it twice, is the age of the Antichrist has just only begun. He says that twice. In, yeah. In the, what do you and think? And that it, is like... <laughs> yeah. Well, so he, well, says, he says it at the uh, beginning, uh, in the first verse, I believe. Uh, the first verse or the second verse. That's that's right. And then you're right. He does say it again. What is 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 he talking about... The current situation, or is he talking? Yes, about- I think he is talking about the current situation in the White House and uh, how how the pandemic's playing out because of that. Although, of course, that was this was written four or five years ago, I believe. But the the fact that he chose to put it out now, I do believe, it has to do with our current situation. Obviously, otherwise, he wouldn't have put it out right now. Yeah, uh, yeah, he de- it definitely yeah. the the timing is everything, and there is definite yeah. <laughs> meaning in the timing that we know for sure. Uh, but you're oh, right; it, it ends. Play darkness and death will come when it comes. Play love me or leave me by the great Bud Powell. Play the bloodstained banner. Play murder most foul. I know. Unbelievable. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> so good yeah. it's so good that i still haven't taken it all in 
Um, and it just it, it came at such an incredibly appropriate time. And everyone's talking about it. You know, he's 79 years old. He's been doing this since he was 20. And he continues to inspire, uplift, confound, and freak out everybody. Yay, Bob! <laughs> yeah, that's amazing to be able to do that for oh, what, 60 man. years. For that uh, long? Yeah, yeah. That's, um, it's pretty incredible uh, that uh, he, you know, this, you know, this kid from Hibbing, Minnesota um, would uh, would take it upon himself to uh, to just constantly to me it's the constant changing i mean he is just constantly uh evolving uh and he's done that from the very beginning i mean you know most famously is is well you saw him in 65 uh i take it that was with uh with the band uh after the newport uh uh no he was he was he was solo it was still the acoustic bob yeah he was solo um but he was plugged in he was solo, as I as I recall. Mm. I mean, I know he was solo, but I think he pl- was plugged in too. He had a suit on. He had that herringbone suit on. He had already done Newport, I believe, uh-huh. and he was kind of doing both at that point. Yeah, he would do. And uh... then I saw, yeah, I saw every incarnation since. I love the one with that he has now that he he. he plays with the current it's band. beautiful yeah yeah the current band with charlie and those yeah. guys charlie I, Sexton. I, yeah yeah i also saw uh his sinatra phase and saw that at the coat the kodak theater did you see that no no when he's saying all the standards oh my god mm-hmm. it was so far out talk about he does whatever the fuck he wants excuse me whatever he <laughs> yeah, wants. no that's okay we can curse on this show no problem <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I have cursed on my show. Yeah, <laughs> yes, he does whatever the fuck he wants. That's right, he does. And uh, <laughs> you know that that was part of the promise of uh, you know of uh, of America. I, I don't know if anybody can do whatever the fuck they want unless you have money to do so. Yeah, but he did whatever the fuck he wanted without his money first right. to start with. Of course, you know. And and he when he plugged into me, to me that's the sexiest moment in rock and roll when he put that thing into that hole. Oh. Come on. You know that was the sexiest moment there ever has been. Well, because, the way, way you just put it sounds a, pretty sexy as well, it is. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it brought, you know, uh, importance to the three chords. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it, it brought, you know, thought-provoking... It's, it's, I, I can't even put into words how much I love this guy. Yeah, no, he 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 is a giant shadow over the entire history of rock and roll, and will always be. Uh, you know, it's uh, you know, I think the further we get away uh, from that period of time, that latter half of the 20th century, which yeah. will be remembered as the rock and roll era, you know, Bob stands uh, right up there. You know, I, obviously we'd have to throw the Beatles in there, probably the Stones. Uh, and a few others. Well, he got the Beatles high. Come yeah, he on. did. He got. Yeah, yeah. Well, he, <laughs> he, you know, he 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 challenged them lyrically yes. and said, "What are you guys oh, yeah. going to quit writing about girls and cars and get serious?" Same and, with the Beach Boys. Same with Brian Wilson. He yeah, went, "Uh oh, yeah, yeah." Okay, I'm, they all had to up their game because of Bob. Yep. And yeah. you know, people who don't respect that, even if they don't like his voice or whatever, which really makes me angry because he's got about. 15 voices. He does. Yeah. Yeah. He's constantly changing it. Yeah. um, Yeah. His voice on this is so beautiful. It's like, it's, 
he it's like so thought provoking so gentle at the same time it's all it's a warning this song is a warning i think and it's a yeah warning. take it seriously people yeah yeah well, Miss Pamela, thanks so much for your, your thoughts on this incredible new Bob Dylan song, Murdered Most Foul. You're so welcome. Can I tell you one quick thing? Of course. I, I gave him, uh, it, it's a long story, but I gave him my book, I'm with the band to read. And the next time I saw him, I, I wish I, I don't know him well. I'm not saying anything like that. But the next time I saw him, he opened up his arms and said, I read your book cover to cover, and you're a good writer. And wow. that, that, was, that was probably <laughs> High praise the indeed. best day of my life. I, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's as if Shakespeare was, was telling you you're a great writer. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I loved it. It was a great, perfect moment for me. So I wanted to share that. That's a great way to end. Thanks, Miss B. Okay. Thank you, Christian. Bye. Tommy, can you hear me? I'm the Ancient Queen I'm rattling along Balanca Lincoln limousine Riding in the back seat next to my wife Heading straight on into the afterlife I'm leaning to the left I got my head in the lap Oh Lord, I've been led into some kind of a trap Well, we ask no quarter, no quarter do we give We're right down the street From the street where you live They mutilated his body and they took out his brain What more could they do? Let's welcome Morris Bushtinsky from Love That Album, a podcast here on Pantheon uh, Podcast Network, uh, to talk about the new Dylan song. How you doing, Morris? Oh, terrific. Thanks for inviting me to do this, Christian. I'm pretty nervous because I thought, wow, an hour to prepare <laughs> to discuss a Bob Dylan song. And a 17-minute scholars... Bob Dylan, the longest Bob Dylan song ever recorded. Indeed. Wow. Um, I'm trying to think. What was it? There was a song that was at the end of Time Out of Mind. Yes. Um, that, that was uh, like 15. That was previously the longest one. Yeah. 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 But uh, this takes the cake now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, an hour to prepare for the longest <laughs> Bob Dylan song where you've got university academics who will be discussing this for the next 500 years. Exactly. And, and we've got to come up with something in an hour. That makes that's, us better. Than well, them. that's why we're talking is because I think all of us kind of woke up uh, this morning and went, what? What's this? And listened to it and went, oh, my God, what are we going to do with this? And I thought, geez, you know, well, I, I luckily <laughs> have at my fingertips a, uh, an entire group of, uh, of music uh, historians or, you know, musicologists, uh, amateur or not. Uh, and I could get uh, their, you know, first impressions uh, because, yes, it, it is a big lift to, to get into anything deeper than the first impressions. So, you know, please, no pressure. But what were your first <laughs> thoughts? Okay. Uh, my first thoughts, listening to it from a musical perspective, I listened to it a couple of times this morning mm -hmm. and first time was really sort of trying to soak in the feel of the music. And 
Uh, I love the fact that he's taking the approach of it being very dreamlike. It's there's no time signature on this. It's like we're going to have these two chords go back and forth, back and forth, and then later on there'll be another two chords that go back and forth. But it's like okay, we're ready to change chord. There's no time signature on, so it really does have the impression of it being a dream, and we have. Uh, the feel of more you know, Baroque instrumentation with uh, drum kit being played with Brush. orchestral yeah, mallets. Yeah. Or, or what was more, it? I think mallets. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and piano. There's an Australian Baroque ensemble. I'm not sure if they've called it a day or not, but they were called My Friend the Chocolate Cake. And um, their music is you know, a little bit more straight, when I say straight ahead, I guess it's more, you know, time signature based. It doesn't free flow like this. But my friend, the chocolate cake, were the first thing musically that came to my mind while huh. listening while listening to this song. Uh-huh. Um, and then I had to go back and listen to it and just take in the lyrics again. So what I found interesting, I thought, like, from the first few lines of the song, I thought, okay, is this going to be like Hurricane? Is it going to be right. a relatively straightforward telling of the assassination of, of right, right 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 exactly and mm-hmm. like the the early days of Dylan when he did songs like uh uh, uh the lonesome death of Hattie Carroll or or um uh Hollis Brown or he used to do I mean we so we tend to think of Dylan as writing these very oblique lyrics and writing all these strange dreamlike words which is why academics are still discussing what does it all mean through you mean, you mean why he got the nobel prize <laughs> yeah exactly because no one understands what they're about god must be clever uh, but there was a time where he would also write songs that were just very well written but still straight ahead narrative yeah yeah uh, where he wanted to get something across so my my first thought was okay is this going to be that sort of song and then within a few lines it's quite evident that it's not he, but he weaves in and out. And so the other pop said so we were discussing off air before Christian about how there's so many pop cultural references in this song. Oh, my God. Yeah. So I think uh, I just re- read that, uh, you know, uh, there are 75 song references in oh. this one 17 minute piece. But there's also film yeah. references. Yeah, yeah, in yeah. There. Buster play Keaton Disney and uh, Buster yeah, play Miss. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's just there's yeah. It's like it's like the twentieth century cultural touchstones uh, that may mean probably mostly to Bob himself, but also to you know those generations. Well, look, unless I've missed it, I'm thinking that one pop cultural reference that I think would have been really appropriate for this song would have been some reference to David Lynch because David Lynch's films are all about subversion of straight narratives, about dreams, and I'm sure that there are some learned David Lynch listeners out there who are going to say, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. But that is what I've always seen about David Lynch films, very dreamlike. Dreamlike, yeah. And this song is to me, dreamlike, dreamlike from a a musical perspective, as I Mm -hmm. mentioned before. And the other thing is, and I'm not sure how quite I can explain this, but the, the structure of the song, it keeps weaving in and out of what happens to JFK uh, and then moving into pop culture references, you know, uh, play, play this song, play that song. And a lot of them are artists who would have been around 
at the time. Yeah, contemporaneous. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and then there are a lot of other. They refer to Lindsay Buckingham and Stevie Nicks, and they refer yeah. to Queen. Another another yeah, one. Seventies. Yeah, yeah. Um, and or, I mean, although mind you, some of those songs you sort of got to wonder whether they're in relation to JFK himself, you know, don't let me be misunderstood. Uh, another one bites the dust in the best possible taste. Uh, Blue Sky, uh, mentioning from uh, Dickie Betts of the Allman Brothers. Um, and I, my hypothesis about this, despite the fact that there's a lot of these cultural references that even went around in 63, is that we always sort of think about how or we always use the expression that my life flashed before me in those final seconds when I thought I was going to die. You know, when, yeah, when there's a, yeah. someone has a near death yeah. exper- uh, experience mm-hmm. and especially I I like know in, where the, you're going. in the last verse, which is predominantly about those pop cultural reference play Oscar Peterson, play Stan Getz, uh, Charlie Parker, uh, play Bugsy Siegel, play Pretty Boy Floyd, et cetera, et cetera. And then we get to a point in the verse where it's almost like JFK has regained a little bit of consciousness or they're speaking to him, don't worry, Mr. President, help's on the way. And there's a few lines in relation to that. And then the verse, the final verse and the end of the song finishes off with going back to play this song, play that song, play Moonlight Sonata. Uh, And it's almost like he's gone back into that final dream is gone into his life flashing before his eyes. He regained like, a little you mean, bit. You mean Bob, Bob himself. No, 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 no. J- JFK. JFK. Yeah, yeah, and, and so, so maybe if he had survived and lived through those times, mm-hmm. this now would be, you know, these cultural references, he would still, um, you know, be involved in because he would have lived. Yes, exactly. Uh, I mean, I think that a lot of these, songs I, a lot of the song references they are for what came subsequently i mean i don't know whether someone more learned than i am could you know, make a case that says well this song exists in as part of the uh, cultural renaissance that took place after the assassination of jfk or is it quite independent i mean the obvious thing that is made reference in the second verse is the beatles coming yeah, yeah, to america yeah, yeah. Uh, i want to hold your hand yeah that's that's right. Or in these Corona times, I don't want to hold your hand. Uh, <laughs> but uh, there's there's uh, so much that has been written and spoken about that when America needed cheering up because there was so yep. much love for JFK, then these four lovable mop tops just yep. happened to come in at the right time. We were speaking off air before about they had the zeitgeist they had. It was, was it the coincidence that these two great songwriters in Lennon and McCartney happened to meet each other and live so close to each other and take advantage of what was happening at the time? They took what had come before with rock and roll and they said, right, we're going to experiment. And they had the, they had the luxury of a company that said, OK, yeah, we'll let you experiment a bit. And yet they still managed to do hundreds of concerts, TV shows, appearances and two albums a year up until 1967. When they quit, yeah. Uh, when they well, was six, they quit the road. Like, Sixty-six. They quit, yeah. they, quit, they quit the road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, but thereafter, it was only one album. Well, actually, no, because they recorded "Let It Be" and "Abbey Road" in one year. Yeah. But they they were you know, incredibly productive. But they had the luxury of of being able to do what it was for as long as they wanted to. I know I'm digressing here, but you know, they, they were the first band to say in, in England 
to say, well, we're not going to work on office hours. We're not just doing recording from nine to five. We we feel creative at two in the morning and yep. the Beatles are allowed to do that. Um, so I've digressed onto the Beatles here, but the original point was that these guys who had this creativity and were allowed to use it came in at the right time. They had plenty to offer America. They had plenty to offer the world with their creativity and their uh, what they saw is this is we want to extend the ability of what songwriting and uh, uh, storytelling can be we can we want to be a bleak we want to be straight ahead uh, we want to be political uh, we want to write a beautiful lullaby we want to do a collage of experimental sounds put together um, it, it, it just all within the space of seven years yeah and yeah in and, and dylan is sort of recognizing at the beginning of this second verse these four guys it's not just oh hey they're popular i might as well sort of bring them. they get their own special mention because first. not, not yeah, they're, just, they're, i think they're the first uh, uh cultural reference outside of jfk in the song right, right exactly exactly so they uh, they're mentioned there not just because of when they came along and they made America smile, but because of what they were able to continue on and go on mm. to do. I mean, people who he mentions like Stan Getz and Charlie Parker were, yeah, you know, yeah. well before all of that. Mm -hmm. And they had their, their own, uh, 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 putting the handprint on the, on the musical landscape and on the cultural landscape. Mm -hmm. And that's why we still talk about those people today, but in the, the pop, landscape which doesn't matter you like the Beatles you don't like the Beatles not everyone's heard of Stan Getz everyone knows who the Beatles are yeah. and this is what they did to the musical and cultural and wider landscape mm -hmm. so so why do you think he put this song out today uh well you know what I've been asking myself that all morning you're thinking right well he's going to put out a song that's uh, that's going to be more metaphorical for the current situation that we find ourselves in. Although, mind you, there's a line in there that says the Antichrist is coming. So is he talking about... Then uh, or now? Exactly. Is, yeah. Was he talking about Trump and coronavirus? Who knows? It, it, Who knows it, what he's is talking that, Is that Mr. President at, at the end, in the in the fifth verse? Is, is Mr. President not JFK, but the current one? Oh my lord! I I don't even what the the line. I'm going to have to go back and read that. <laughs> um, but why? Look, why he put this out now? This could have just been a, a song. I look. I've done a little bit of reading, and there was some suggestion that uh, this song might have been something that was recorded for Tempest. The yeah, last in 2012. Album he put yeah, out yeah, of, yeah. Of original material it makes and sense to said, me because he mentions you know he said he says it was 50 years ago uh there's a right. reference to that which you know sounds 2012 2013 that would have been you know 2013 would have been 50 yeah, years yeah, exact yeah. whereas now we're in 2020 closer to 60 years so mm. uh yeah and i i think that's a, some distinct possibility that this was recorded around that uh, those sessions so he's probably sort of thinking what can i offer to the music listening public, what can I offer to the world to say, right, well, we're all doing it hard at the moment. We're all doing it tough. Uh, what can I do to contribute to uh, people to listen? I know I'm held in high regard by 
uh, my fans, well, here's a, here's a song for you that I just happen to have lying around, and it possibly speaks to the current environment. So I think, I think it also gives you. Uh, it's almost like, hey, here's Bob's playlist. Um, you know, go out and listen to Moonlight Sonata, uh, Deep in a Dream. But you know, play some Jelly Roll Morton. Uh, you know, play Marching Through Georgia. Uh, you know, and, and maybe that's what he's also saying is like, you know, hey, you're all stuck doing nothing. You know, go and educate yourself if you haven't played any of this stuff. If you're not familiar with these people uh maybe for the a younger audience you know who's buster keaton who's harold lloyd oh geez that's a hundred years ago let's let's go look at that mm. and those their work is as brilliant today as it ever was and when you think that yeah. they did their own stunts and was super funny yeah uh, they're both yeah both geniuses mm-hmm. um so, look, I, I, and with all these cultural references, once again, we were speaking off air, Christian, uh, about how this is the anti we didn't start the fire. Uh, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Is- yeah, there's no there's no discernible melody, no hook, uh, you know, uh, in this <laughs> uh, like uh, like that other song. Uh, you know, it is uh, dreamlike, I think, is, is a great I, I, I've been. Um, uh, using the term atmospheric or cinematic, but I, mm. I, I like dreamlike. I, I think that's, and I think we're we're very close in that because you you know you 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 mentioned uh, uh, um, David Lynch, uh, you know, uh, having that. So there there's the film reference to it. So maybe right. that's it to it. You know, musically. Uh, you know, I, 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 what what do you think of Bob's delivery on this and in, in his voice here? Well, look, I got to say, I haven't really listened to much new Bob since Love and Theft. I, uh, I listened to a little bit of Modern Times and there was just too much. Come on, Bob, write a new melody. It doesn't all have to be 12-bar blues. Um, but and the, I listened, I'm, I'm going to say it right now, I've listened to a lot of Bob Dylan bootlegs over the years. And I think you need to add a show to the Pantheon Podcast Network speaking about the great bootlegs of, uh, of rock, Bob, of rock right. history. Oh, no, yeah. Rock history oh, in general. general. You're, you're right, um, right. But um, uh, so, yeah, I'd heard a lot of stuff over the last, well, I, I, certainly over the 2000 to 2010 period, and he just sings two notes. He can't really stretch beyond that anymore. And I know that a lot of people have said that Bob Dylan, Bob Dylan didn't have the greatest of voices to begin with, even in his heyday, I call bullshit to that. I've always loved his voice. Bob Dylan was the guy who said, you don't need to sing like Tony Bennett. You don't need to sing perfect. You, 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 you can sing with the common man's voice. Yeah. And Which is what he was great. always going for. You know, remember, his his hero was Woody Guthrie, who right. was the ultimate everyman's voice. Exactly. And look, Bob Dylan circa Blood on the Tracks and uh, Desire is vocal-wise my favorite mm. Dylan period as singer. Mm. And mind you, two absolutely pinnacle yeah. albums yeah. as well. But that's probably my favorite period of him as a singer. Uh at the moment, as I said, he's only got the two notes. So rather long introduction to say that I really actually like the vocals on this. It's still just the two notes and it's a rambling delivery, but it goes well with this song and it's dreamlike nature. It's a, it's a, uh, what's the word I'm thinking of, but, um, uh, just spirit of consciousness, just, He's, he's rambling. It does seem it, like there's some stream of consciousness going to it. It's yeah. stream. Thank yeah. you. That's what mm-hmm. uh, it's 
it, it just so completely works for this song. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, if I were to listen to a whole album of those two notes with you know ten different songs, I don't know. But this as its own thing, um, I really, really love his voice on this. It, it works. It works so much for me. So, um, and look, I when I played the song this morning, uh, my wife Joanne and I we listened to it together twice, and I was wondering she like she's a long time Bob Dylan fan, uh, and um, I was sort of really curious to see what she would think. And we were having a bit of a discussion over breakfast, you know, uh, what this meant, what that meant, and that's probably like a discussion for another time. Once you know we've sort of lived with the song, you might want to do this again maybe three months from now. Oh, but, maybe. Yeah, uh, good idea. But um, but uh, in I, I was sort of thinking, you know, will she last the 17 minutes out? But she so completely did. You know, we both, we both did. I was able to play it twice in a row without shuffling my feet or thinking, oh, I wish this was a bit shorter. It, it held me riveted and all the more so incredible considering that we're not talking about a hooky melody. We're not right. talking about a narrative that is straightforward. So, you know, what happens next? You just sort of think, what's he going to do next? Uh, and yeah, look, the dreamlike nature of this, I keep coming back to that Christian, but I think that's um, I think that's your, your your point is that it is it's it's dreamlike uh, and 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 isn't the past dreamlike in general? Yes, yes, but of course, as is important to do, he's already gone. He, he brings it. You say he mentions the fifty years later thing, uh, and it's it's important to sort of say right. Well, how does that relate to what happens now? The the deeds of the past, do we learn from them? And I don't know whether this is that sort of song that we're actually supposed to say, right, well, do we learn from it? And then yet in a way, I think we, there is one line in it that we do. And if this is written before the rise of Trump, I mean, we, look, hate, hatred has, you know, has always been in fashion. It's nothing new to the last four years or so. But there was a line in it. I'm trying to remember where it was, but it was something about, um, oh, that's right. He said, we're going to kill you with hatred without any respect. We'll mock you and shock you and we'll put it in your face. We've already got someone here to take your place. And that is very 2020 to me, even though that was about Lyndon B. Johnson ready to take over for JFK. Uh, And... um, uh, I'm, the yeah, parallels. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, <clears throat> Morris, um, we just wanted to get uh, you know a couple of different uh, first impressions, and uh, we appreciate uh, you giving us yours. Thank you so much, Christian. Really appreciate the, the offer to do this, and um, I, I'm hoping that I didn't come off sounding like I didn't know what the hell I was talking about. I normally take, you know days and days and weeks to sort of put thoughts together oh, and this is I, I i know i'm totally putting people on the spot don't worry about that <laughs> real no really appreciate it christian thank you so much what's new pussycat what i say i said the soul of a nation will turn away And it's beginning to go into a slow decay And that it's 36 hours past Judgment Day Wolfman Jack He's speaking in tongues 
is going on and on on at the top of his lungs. Play me a song, Mr. Wolfman Jack. Play it for me in my long Cadillac. With us now is Cindy House from Basic Folk uh, to talk about this new Dylan song. Cindy, first of all, how are you doing? Oh, I'm, you know, doing as good as probably most other people are doing these days. Thanks for thanks for having me on. Of course. Of course. Yeah, we're all kind of self-isolating, or at least those of us that, uh, you know, take this serious are self-isolating. Uh, hopefully mm-hmm. more and more people are picking up on that message every day uh, so that we can, you know, lower the curve, uh, not uh, inundate our health care system and, you know, get through this uh, as quickly as possible. Totally. Well, uh, a lot of musicians are are putting out a lot of work right now. Uh, some, uh, you know, as simple as a Facebook Live moment with an acoustic guitar. Uh, others, um, like Pearl Jam, just happens to have an album, a complete new album that uh, released today. Um, but mm-hmm. uh, the focus is uh, this new epic Bob Dylan song, Murder Most Foul. So have you had a chance to listen to it? Oh, yeah. Uh, I listened to it the day that it came out. Um, I saw it. um, I saw people talking about it on Twitter. And normally when I see I'm like looking at things on Twitter, I feel very distracted in general. So I don't find it to be a great news source. So when I saw that Bob Dylan had a new song released, I felt kind of just like exhausted, like, oh, my God. Here's something that I also have to keep up with because it was also New Music Friday. So Waxahachie has a new record out and Margaret Glaspie has a new record out and Marcarelli has a new record out. And I want to listen to all these records today. And then you see Bob Dylan releases a 17 minute long song. <laughs> and pl- uh, the, the, what, what is it? Uh, 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 the plans of, of mice and men. Uh, it's, 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 I'm, I'm really uh, uh, cutting up that quote. <laughs> But uh, yeah, the well-laid, the well-laid plans of mice and men. Yes. Uh, and right. so all that goes out the window, right? Right, right. And I was just like, I mean, I've got to say, Christian, that Bob Dylan is like my hands down number one artist of all time. Like he's an artist of a lifetime. So yeah. Yeah. I was just kind of like, all right, I got to get to this. And then I, you know, ignored it for a little while longer. And I saw a couple of my well-respected peers posting about it. And so finally, when Kim Rule, who is formerly the editor-in-chief at No Depression, she she wrote something that was like, when you listen to this, make sure that you digest every word, every thought. And I was like, <laughs> wow, okay, mm-hmm. here we go. Mm-hmm. So I pulled it up, and then I also went to this lyric website, genius.com, because I thought, I'm not sure if you're familiar with that website, but I am. it originally was for rap lyrics, right? And mm-hmm. so like line by line, it explains like what each line means. And I thought, there, you know, this is a brand new song, but there's got to be some speculation as to like what these lyrics mean. So that's what I did. I listened to it and read along on Genius and then tried to keep up with the um, with the the commentary. And a lot of the commentary was like, you know, it was all unverified at that point. And it was people just sort of speculating and the people were like updating 
um, their commentary live while I was reading it. So it wasn't even totally complete. And it probably still isn't even complete at this point. But, you know, I just was like, all right, I have a meeting in a half an hour. I'm going to sit here and listen to this song like it's my job. And I, I listened through it and wow, it it was long. The music sounds really cool actually in the background and the way he sings, I kind of like really wanted him. He sings like old Bob Dylan, but he's writing this song like a young Bob Dylan. And I really wanted him to, you know, sing it like, like he would like Desolation Row or one of those uh, epically long songs for like every once in a while. I was like, when is he going to start singing like that? There was one line in particular, and I wish I could remember what it was, where he like changes his tone just like a little bit Mm -hmm. to be like kind of jokey. And there's so many verses that I'm not going to remember. There's there's five verses. Yeah, and they're all like totally packed. Yes. But... um, I love the, uh, what I love is the, the multiple references to Wolfman Jack as yeah. a radio person, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He shows up in the first, uh, the first verse, um, Wolfman, oh, Wolfman, oh, Wolfman, howl, uh, with no uh, expectation that we know it's the radio DJ until later in the song when he literally calls Wolfman Jack out. Right. And then he's like, he's listing all of these things that he would like Wolfman Jack to play him on the radio. And Mm. that's the rest of the song, basically. Yeah. Um, And it's interesting, the things that he's calling out. It seems like I could be wrong, but it, uh, no, that maybe that's not like I was thinking that it was all um, material that had been released after JFK. Was assassinated, but I don't think that's right because he's pulling up like Oscar Peterson and I oh, think at Thelonious one point Monk, all that jazz. He pulls up Charlie Parker, uh, play yeah. Mer- Merchant yeah. of Be- Venice. Yeah, Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, I also I also think that Bob Dylan is like the most hilarious person. So uh, I'm I'm sure like all of this is like super meaningful, but it's also like as like a um, a former radio DJ, like constantly getting requests from people like play this song, play that song, play this song, play that song. That's like, it was just like a laundry list of requests, um, which was a little funny to me. Yeah. In, in, in a, in a weird sort of way, what, what I've taken away, especially in that latter half of the song is, Oh geez, I, I, I better go, uh, uh, play a little, uh, uh, down by the boondocks uh, or nature boy uh, you know or Stella by starlight uh, the, these things that he calls out um, and it's in it you know we're, we're all stuck in or we're supposed to be stuck in this self-isolation which gives us plenty of time to uh, look for content and it's almost like Bob has created a nice little playlist for everybody oh yeah <laughs> that is funny yeah yeah, because I think like the number one question I'm asking people is like, what movie do you recommend that I watch right now? Or, yeah, like, Netflix show or what have you. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's like a real um, window into, you know, music that is meaningful to him enough to put it in a song like this. 
You know, it's funny, you know, Bob, Bob has been asked many times, uh, you know, uh, how significant the assassination of JFK was to him in his life. And he's uh, kind of uh, deflected a lot. Uh, and uh, I think at one time he, in an interview, he kind of said, well, if it was really that important, I would have wrote a song about it. And... I think he's such a liar sometimes. <laughs> You know, like I'm I like my mom is my mom and dad are the age of like they were in high school, I think, when JFK was assassinated. And my former uh, colleague at WYP, Rosemary Welsh, uh, she was a younger kid. And I remember like Rosemary was really good at, uh, you know, recounting her history to me just in conversation and she would talk how like deeply affected she was by not only JFK's murder, but Martin Luther King and uh, Bobby Kennedy. Kennedy. Well, yeah. yeah. And like, you know, my mom is, um, she, she was also affected and definitely has been like, I remember where I was when we heard the news and it's just like, there's no way that if you were alive in that time, that that didn't have some kind of emotional impact on you. So also, I, I have the theory about Bob Dylan is that he is the, he's playing like the long con where he's like, I'm going to tell you that I'm not affected by the, by the assassination of JFK. And then 40 years later, I'm going to release a 17 minute song all about it. <laughs> have you guys just flounder and squirm and try to figure it out. Uh, that would uh, definitely be Bob, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what do you think of the music uh, uh, that accompanies these uh, wonderful lyrics? I think it sounds pretty different than um, the music that he's done before. Mm -hmm. uh, it definitely sounds like the schmaltz um, of the crooners that he's been digging into and, as of late has, into. Right, has right. rubbed off on him, uh -huh. but I liked it. I also thought it was chill enough that it didn't take away from the important aspect of of the song, which is the lyrical content. Yeah, I, I found it very atmospheric uh, in the background, definitely, uh, and rather cinematic. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I take it you'll be listening to the song more than once. I don't know. <laughs> uh, maybe. Uh, I would like to, you know what? I would. I listened to it once. I would like to read more about it ah, than yes. listen to it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, well, it starts with uh, it was a dark day in Dallas, November '63, and then it ends in the same manner of play the bloodstained banner, play murder most foul. Thanks a lot, Bob. <laughs> and with that we have cindy howes from basic folks take on the new bob dylan song murder most foul thank you play please don't let me be misunderstood play it for the first lady she ain't feeling too good Play Don Henley, play Glenn Fry. Take it to the limit and let it go by. Play it for Kyle Wilson too. Looking far, far away down Gower Avenue. Play tragedy, play twilight time. 
Take me back to Tulsa to the scene of the crime. Play another one and another one bites the dust. Lay the old rugged cross and in God we trust. All right, with me now is Lucas Hare uh, from Is It Rolling, uh, Bob, Talking Dylan. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, his co-host, uh, Carrie Shale, couldn't make it with us today. So we're just going to talk to Lucas. Uh, probably the, the perfect show, the perfect person to talk to uh, regarding uh, Murder Most Foul. So, Lucas, what were your first impressions? No pressure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right. Well, um, I woke up like many Dylan fans yesterday morning and just, uh, am I allowed to swear? Of course. I just, fuck just went, fuck yes. Fuck. yes. Yeah, what yeah. the fuck? There's, there's a new song by Bob Dylan. It appears to be the longest one he's ever released. It is, yeah. Uh, it's longer than Highlands. Right. Um, it quotes, I mean, it, I, I know... Uh, you know, immediately noticed that the title was a quote from Hamlet, right. and the artwork was a picture of John F. Kennedy. Um, so I thought, right, I'm I'm going in. Um, and what an interesting piece of work. I mean, it's uh, I've I've read various things that have said it's you know it's not melodically that interesting, but it is uh, essentially a, a poem. Mm, uh, yeah, I was talking to a friend yesterday, and we both agreed this that that actually, given that it's his longest song. When it ends, it ends very, very abruptly, and you sort of want it to go on forever. And maybe that's something to do with the fact that we're lulled into it as it proceeds. Mm-hmm. Um, or I don't know. I, as I get older, I, I have less and less problems with long songs. I get really, really into them. But, I mean, there's so many little things to kind of pick out of it. Um, Please, begin picking. I mean, the lines that jumped out at me... Uh, that it's kind of conversational for at the beginning. It says, you know, and let's just remind everybody that, yeah, it's 17 minutes long and there are five verses. Well, I, yeah, I mean, I didn't even know where the verse breaks come because I'm just, I've just transcribed, well, nicked a, someone else's transcription off the internet. Um, so it's just a big blur stream of consciousness that I've got here on my device, but it starts off fairly literally talking about right. the 22nd, yeah. 1963 the day of the death of, of John F. Kennedy. Um, and immediately that's interesting because Dylan historically doesn't often deal in specifics, mm-hmm. you know, but he says, "'Twas a dark day in Dallas, November 63, and the artwork is a picture of John F. Kennedy. This is quite clearly, I mean, yeah. at some point in his career, he may say, you thought that song was about John F. Kennedy. It, it wasn't, you know. <laughs> I'm sure uh, he'll go to that Yeah, part. of course he will, yeah. But initially, it's very literal. Mm, Uh, It mentions Dealey Plaza. It mentions Johnson waiting in the wings. We've already got someone here to take your place, they say. Um, Very shocking. I mean, it's very shocking imagery very early on when they say things like they they blew off his head while he was still in the car. Yeah, yeah. Um, You know, there's no – this is not romantic uh, lyric poetry. This is quite literal at the beginning anyway. Um perfectly executed you know that's a, a little little pun uh, an early mention of of wolfman who we yep. later found out is wolfman jack for any american graffiti fans out there yeah the famous gj mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. um murder most foul as i've said comes from hamlet the the ghost of hamlet's father uh, visits hamlet and and says i was murdered basically and i want you to revenge my foul and most unnatural murder yeah. And Hamlet goes, murder, and he goes, murder most foul, as in the best it is. Mm-hmm. So that's that's an image I want to come back to later, because I think that's important. Um, 
the first thing that it hit me when I heard it was I thought this is like a bit like Tempest or Roll on John from the album Tempest. I think it was recorded at that time. Um, and I'll tell you, there's a there's a line in it that says, uh, you know, this happened 50 years ago. Yes. And that fits the timeline of the recording of Tempest, which was done in 2012. Yeah. Better, better, better than it would today, because now we're getting close to 60 years from the event. Yeah, although, I mean, I thought that at first. I don't think it's from the Tempest sessions. Oh. I think I, I think the song might date from around there because it's very similar to, to Roll On John and all those, you know, not great Beatles uh, references in Roll On John. You've got another one here. Um, <clears throat> the Beatles are coming, they're going to hold your hand. You know, that's not particularly offensive or, or trite, but it's it's similar to what you get in Roll On John. But the vocal quality, if you listen to his voice over the last 10 years – his voice is smoother and not quite as there's a sort of a higher slightly gravelly tone to his voice on tempest and together through life and christmas in the heart and you go through them and you think it really sounds quite recent his voice sounds like it does on triplicate but i think the song might have been kicking around for a bit longer but who knows i mean yeah. he said yeah. in the press release i wrote it a while ago yeah but that could be last week uh, or it could have been 20 years ago it could yeah. have, he could he could have actually began writing this uh you know back around the time of the event you know you never know he could have even though he he avoided specificity about it at the time and there was speculation that kennedy was the blue-eyed son mm -hmm. in uh, harder is gonna fall but then we get to the bit which i don't know if you ever have had a look at Greil marcus's website but Greil marcus the the esteemed writer and critic has a wonderful website where basically you can ask him anything. He calls it Ask Greel. And he pretty much answers the questions you submit, or he has in my experience. And somebody called Johnny Savage wrote in yesterday and said, I don't know if you're aware of this speech by lawyer Vincent Salandria given in Dallas on Friday, November the 20th, 1998. And it's only a few lines, but I'll read it to you because it sounds familiar. I'm going to Woodstock, it's the Aquarian age, oh. then I'll go to Altamont and sit near the stage, put your head out the window, let the good times roll, there's a party going on behind the grassy knoll. Stack up the bricks, pour the cement, don't say Dallas don't love you, Mr. President. Put your foot in the tank and then step on the gas, try to make it to the triple underpass. Really? That, that's yeah. a direct oh. quote from a yeah. speech from 1998. As much as we can trust the internet, yes. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. I, yeah, we need a second source to, uh, to 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 guarantee that that is the case. But wow, it's a, a complete yeah. lift. Yeah. Um, now, you know, it, it depends what side of the tracks you're coming from in, in the whole is Dylan a plagiarist argument. I mean, I think there's there's more to it than that. But that is that is a very very specific. Lift, yeah, that, yeah, that's not just a line. I mean, <clears throat> that's uh, you know, that's a full stanza uh, to uh, to take, huh? I, I, yeah. I, I, I'll have to look at the writing credits for the song and see if uh, if he <laughs> if he's added uh, well, the yeah. uh, this is the man who who released an album of, of folk and blues songs in 1992 and, and it said all words and music by Bob Dylan. So, I, <laughs> right, <laughs> you know, good I'm luck with that, right? <laughs> I don't know, but. Um, yeah, and then I guess what happens is after the literal section, it's sort of, well, it stays quite literal for quite a long time. I think looking back on it, 
that one of given the fact that it's a kind of Dylan's version of American Pie without the catchiness. Uh, yeah, yeah, I've I've read that uh, some have compared it to that as well. Well, it's. Whereas that song begins with the death of Buddy Holly and then goes through to the late 60s and sort of embraces that generation. This song is also interesting in that it doesn't really embrace the pre-Kennedy era. I mean, there's a, there's a reference to Nat King Cole and there's a reference uh, to the Evans. Oh, and, well, also Buster Keaton uh, and, Buster and, and uh, Harold yeah. Lloyd. Uh, uh, I think uh, there's um, uh, Gone with the Wind, uh, Miss Garland. Yeah, no, that's mentioned true. Things that's like all that. true. But, but yeah. by that point, it gets sort of quite freeform. But but in terms of music, yeah, there's Little Richard. Yeah. There's no Elvis Presley. There's no none of these, these people we know. Are well, absolutely- he, he does mention Mystery Train. Wouldn't that be Elvis? True. Okay, I'll, I'll I'll take that. And he also says long black Lincoln limousine, which is a kind of sly nod to both Elvis and Jerry Lewis. Yeah. Uh, Jerry Lewis did his own song about JFK called Lincoln Limousine, and Elvis did long black limousine. Yeah. Okay. Mystery Train. Um, but I don't know. He seems Elvis and, and that sort of era to me, the, the rock and rollers seem curiously absent. Mm-hmm. You know, knowing mm-hmm. how much Buddy Holly and little richard and elvis meant and mean to, to him Dylan. yeah 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 instead he focuses oh. on carl wilson or don henley glenn fry things like yeah. that <laughs> carl, I've got to say, the carl wilson reference is my favorite obscure rock geek clue in the whole thing oh it's warren zebon he's he's actually warren, talking about warren zebon yeah yeah from desperados under the eaves which is the just the greatest song off, off i think his greatest album but even for for the hardened Zevon fans, Carl Wilson and some of the Beach Boys did some of the backing vocals on that song. I think Zevon got them in the studio just to sing the word California. <laughs> right, in, right. In, and when California slides into the ocean, like the mystics and statistics say it will. So that's a very obscure reference to Carl Wilson via Warren Zevon, which, yeah, I really like. Um what else? I mean, there's a, a few phrases in there that Dylan has used before. Blood in my eye. Uh, Only the good die young and Memphis in June, both of which mm-hmm. appear in Infidel's outtakes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I just saw another one. St. James Infirmary, which has the same melody as Blind Willie McTell. Um, it's, and the most interesting thing about this this last section, when it goes into this kind of chant really the last sort of 10 lines they all begin with the word play yeah yeah now play can mean various things particularly when bob dylan's saying it but he sort of seems to be going through this sort of freeform thing where he's just calling up various mainly musical spirits but he ends by saying play murder most foul which of course is the song you've just spent the last 17 minutes listening to so as the song winds down he's saying Go back Play. to the beginning and do it again. <laughs> All right. So it's kind of, I don't know, what is it Grill Marcus talks about I'm not there? He says it's like a whirlpool, you know, and I think this song is a bit like a whirlpool. You get to the end and, and really there is nowhere else to go but back to the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I've only listened to it three or four times in about 36 hours. There's a, an awful lot more to discover. But... Uh, yeah, that's all I can think of really right now. Well, unless you want. let me ask you this, because um, I, I kind of got into it uh, on social media uh, uh, last night with some folks who thought it was horrible. And I think I, 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 I'm beginning to b- believe that this is a masterpiece. Yeah, I mean, I 
I spoke to or heard from via social networks two or three people yesterday who were impossibly moved by it, at least two of which are not really Dylan fans. Yeah, yeah. And I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, I I, I, I listened to it. Um, uh, you know, it was, you know, woke up, came out, was like, oh, oh, oh really? Okay. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, and you start, to, you know, to play it and you're like, first of all, it's 17 minutes long. Um, uh, but, you know, musically, I, I found the, the atmospheric um cinematic uh and and to steal a line from one of our other hosts uh morris um uh from love that album um he used the term dreamlike in a david lynchian sort of way and i liked that i, I was like yeah that same thing the, the the music is is sort of background uh and bob is all out front and and you know, to your point, uh, Lucas, it's 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 really a poem first and foremost, and I just I I, I got like into the first uh, verse and yeah, tears started streaming down my cheek for no reason. And I'm I'm not the biggest Bob Dylan fan in the world. I've learned to love Bob over uh, the decades. Um, you know, I, I unfortunately first encountered Bob Dylan uh, with the Grateful Dead as his back backing band and that was i can tell you a huge mistake um neither one of them were, were, were that was a pairing that should never have happened i love the dead i've learned to love bob but that was my first experience and uh it didn't do either one uh, a, a, a good job there so but uh uh you know over over the, the 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 decades i've seen him four times and i gotta say the last time i saw him which was uh, back in october um here at the frost amphitheater I walked away going, totally get it now. I, I now I understand why he's a genius. He was, was on in, the road. Yeah, it was in a fine voice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it just the whole atmosphere of the show was re just really worked well for him. It, by the way, was filled with Klieg lights and and looked like a set, like a Hollywood set, the way the way the the stage was, and um, and so to come across this, you know, four months later is to just go wow i mean uh, uh just a, a big deal so but you're the expert on on bob in our little pantheon network so uh you know what do you think well i the other thing that that i think is worth touching on is why why this now yeah. um i mean obviously we are all holed up in our houses as this horrific pandemic sweeps the globe and, and levels us all to alarmingly similar beings we're all vulnerable to the same things um all of a sudden and you know i was watching for example neil young was putting out on his website a little yeah. thing called fireside sessions yeah yeah out in taller tell you right right this home there mm. and it's just really really lovely uh, I, I mean, i'm a subscriber to his site so i would have got it anyway but he's put it out the content out for free of him just playing the guitar outside and by the fire for 20 minutes and i think he's put out two of them and they're like little gifts to those of us that are stuck in our houses, i.e. all of us. And I remember thinking just 48 hours ago, yeah, Bob Dylan wouldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, Wrong. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, there it is. There's this enormous present that he's given us. But why now? Why, uh, as someone said on Twitter yesterday, it is the most Dylan-esque thing to do is in the middle of a worldwide pandemic, drop a 17-minute song about John F. Kennedy. Uh, why now? Um, mm. And I mentioned earlier on about the ghost in Hamlet, and it, something occurred to me this morning that it's almost like 
um, the ghost says to Hamlet, remember me. You know, and yeah. one of the things he's most worried about is that Hamlet's going to forget him. Yeah. And here we are, over half a century after the death of John F. Kennedy. I was not alive when he died. I remember hearing about the day he died from my parents who were alive. Um, but, you know, this is a generation away now. And yet, I think Dylan feels that something about that moment in history is worth preserving, is worth reminding us. I mean, maybe you even want to go as far to say, remember this. He's the ghost. He's saying to the country, you know, I'm not saying you can avenge this, the murder of John F. Kennedy, but remember, this is the moment when America split in two, when the presidency was something, well... It's different now, shall we say. Uh, the office of president of the United States now is a is a much more flexible term. Um, in Hamlet, Claudius poisons his brother, and his brother dies, and the ghost goes to Hamlet and says, "This is what happened." So is Ken, is is Dylan saying that he's he and Kennedy are coming back into our lives and saying, "The world has been poisoned. The country has been poisoned." The, the office of the president has been poisoned. It's been poisoned by celebrity. It's been poisoned by lies. It's by, been poisoned by corruption. And there may not be anything you can do about it, but remember me. I think that's good. I, I also think that he's also saying, remember all of these other things that give you joy, you know, starting mm. with the Beatles. Yes. Uh, yes. And, and then going on. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I think pretty much everything that he says play is a favorite of his, you know, yep. uh, in, including the movies and the the old silent stars uh, and uh, the uh, the various uh, jazz and and pop uh, uh, pieces uh, that he he calls out in there. Uh, which I think the biggest surprise would be Bob Dylan's a Queen fan. <laughs> I'm still reading from the Eagles, personally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, or the Eagles, yeah, Queen too. Yeah, it's it's. <laughs> Yeah. It's a strange one. Um, and there's no chronology to that list either. They're just, it, it's very free form. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a couple more Shakespeare references in there as well, which doesn't do any harm. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, it's, he is, I think you're absolutely right. He's not just saying the world is broken, but he's also saying the only thing that can heal us is music. And there's a lot of it. And, you know, let's all remember that too. Yeah. I mean, you're absolutely right. Yeah. 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 Well, Lucas, any, 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 Final thoughts uh, on it? I mean, obviously, we're all going to be talking about this for a very, very long time. And again, a, a shout out to, to Morris, uh, who was like, you know, you have to come back to us in three months after we've fully digested this thing and get a real reading on this. And I yeah, think he's not yeah. far off there. Well, I mean, yes. I mean, it, it's the thing about analysis and art is you all I'm already wishing I didn't say half the things I've said in the last 10 minutes <laughs> we used to say to yourself oh hang on that's that's not very well thought out that I've missed that entirely but the best thing about this kind of thing is that it will mean different things to you at different points in your life yeah and yeah. within the first 36 hours of this being dropped on our uh, on our mobile phones or wherever we we got it from it's very early to be picking it apart, but uh, I, I know that it's going to change and I'm going to change and there'll be lots more to get out of it over the coming days and weeks. And, you know, what a, just what a treat to, to have it, you know. Um, maybe there's more. Maybe there's an album. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, there is rumor uh, that there is a, a forthcoming album, uh, I know, but, um, but I think this is a standalone uh, piece. 
uh, certainly at 17 minutes. Um, I mean, hell, that's yeah. that's half an album right there. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, the only other thing I can relate it to is is in the 90s when we didn't have any new material from Bob Dylan for seven or eight years, and now it's been seven or eight years, and you know, there's been a there's been a lot lacking. The the fans have been waiting for an album. You know, I mean, I remember the feeling when I heard there was a new album coming out called Triplicate. And for about minutes, I thought there's a new album. And then I realized it was more, you know, American Songbook, Sinatra yeah. covers. And I thought, oh, okay, all right. Um, <laughs> but that's not Rob your Hackins, specialty, Bob. Yeah, you're I know. I you're a writer. <laughs> and even in the 90s, when it had been a while, and I think Greatest Hits Volume 3 came out, and, and all the new music papers were saying, there's a new song, it's called Dignity. We all went, oh, he's written a new song, he's written a new song. Oh, it's an outtake from a mercy. Okay. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that, but you just... I don't know. And we don't know where this song comes from. We don't know whether it's part of a, a bigger whole of recording, but we've got this and this is wonderful. And as, as he as he once said, that's good enough for now. Well, Lucas Hare, thanks so much for sharing your thoughts on Murder Most Foul uh, today with us. My pleasure. My pleasure. And uh, yeah, thank you and, uh, and take care. Play the numbers, play the odds. They cry me a river for the Lord of the Gods Play number nine, play number six Play it for Nancy and Stevie Nicks Play Nat King Cole, play Nature Boy Play down in the boondocks for Terry Marlowe Play it happened one night and one night of sin. I sincerely want to thank Ray and Marcus from Imbalanced History of Rock, uh, Pamela DeBar from Her Pajama Party, Morris Bushtinsky from Love That Album, Cindy Howes of Basic Folk, and Lucas Hare from Is It Rolling Bob Talking Dylan for joining me to give their initial thoughts on Murder Most Foul. Please, if you haven't, go listen to their wonderful shows, all of which can be found on the Pantheon Podcast Network, um, either in the main feed uh, or in their individual feeds. Just go to pantheonpodcast.com for all the 411. So, after talking to some of our pod fam, as well as reading several articles on the song, what do I think now? Um... Now that I've had a few days to ponder and reflect, um, I spoke to my writing partner for Rock and Roll Archaeology, Richard Evans, and we went through a, a, a dissertation on it uh, after he'd listened to it a few times, and we, we kind of came up with this. Dark and dense, uh, without doubt, certainly. Uh, Dylan's immense body of work uh, across 60-plus years contains a lot of work that obviously fits that description. Uh, we can draw some slight parallels from that body. The sharp juxtapositions throughout bring to mind the lyrics from Desolation Row, uh, for instance, and Lucas uh, mentioned that as well. Uh, elegy or requiem uh, came to mind. Um, eulogy, perhaps? Uh, but these terms uh, seem incomplete, too, and not 
altogether on target. These types of expression usually contain a grace note of defiant hope, and no such grace notes are sounded in Murder Most Foul. It's also a memoir, a remembrance of things past, a a lifetime reflected upon, delivered in a shotgun blast of imagery and rapid-fire pop culture references. It's like shrapnel from a shattered spirit that restlessly reflects on all the opportunities missed. In uh, episode five of our Rock and Roll Archaeology podcast, we described young Bob Dylan as not a talker or joiner, but a listener, an intent observer, a storyteller rather than a participant. And yet, here in the autumn of his long and eventful life, he has both observed and participated in an enormous slice of history. We also talked about how he chafed at being described as the voice of a generation, and understandably so, but we also said that the power of his expression was undeniable. Murder Most Foul, with its long sweeping arc of a story, seems to make him the voice of several generations. But he's still Bob Dylan, and he's not here to teach or explain. He puts it out there, and we all try our own to parse it and understand it with varying degrees of success. And we'll continue to do that after the ambulances go and Cinderella is sweeping up on Desolation Row. All right. That's it for this week. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you enjoyed hearing several voices from the network to talk about this incredibly new Bob Dylan song. I'm Christian Swain. This has been Deeper Digs in Rock, a Pantheon podcast. You know, thanks so much for your time today. Be well. Be safe, and always keep up the rockin'. Play bullet salada and F sharp. And the key to the highway for the king of the heart. Play marching to Georgia in the bottle strokes. Play darkness and death will come when it comes. They love me or leave me by the great bird town Play the bloodstained banner, play murder most foul Deeper Digs in Rock, produced and hosted by Christian Swain. All sound design and incidental music by Busy Signal Studios. Find all of our shows, notes, social, and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts. All songs can be found for purchase on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please purchase these great and important tracks. Find us on Facebook at the RNRAP. We are on Instagram at RNR Archaeology. Tweet us at RNR Archaeology.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.